Hey everyone and welcome to Games Are Fun, the weekly video game podcast show that talks about video game news, stories, and highlights. My name is Luke and I'm your host. Thank you for joining me on episode number 32 of Games Are Fun. If this is your first time checking out the show, thank you very much for joining me. I'm glad you are checking it out. Hopefully you enjoy. Games Are Fun is available every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Daylight Time. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, CastBox, SoundCloud, and all the other podcast services out there. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about 10 video games that were cancelled. Now, these games were games that I found interesting. Some of them were further along in their development phase. Um, Some of them actually had gameplay. Some of them were more of just like... The concept or the idea but all these games are games that looked really cool looked promising but unfortunately got cancelled for a variety of reasons and so I've kind of ranked them um, obviously number one when we get to it is going to be the one game that I was most looking forward to um, but unfortunately it got cancelled so that's what today's episode is going to be about I thought it'd be funner to do something different than just talking about the news which I normally do, but you know, it's the beginning of the year and there's not a lot of video game news going on. I mean, we do have releases like Resident Evil 2 coming up and then in February we have a bunch of games coming out. So there's going to be lots of time to talk about different news stories and the games that I'm playing in the coming episodes, so stay tuned for that. Before we get talking about all these cancelled video games. Let's talk about uh, me plugging stuff. Uh, go over to my Facebook page. Just search for Games Are Fun over on Facebook. You'll see the logo. Like that page. That is the best way to know what's going on with the show and get any sort of updates on the podcast. Of course, if you're over listening on SoundCloud, you can go into my profile and you can find the link for my Facebook page over there. So that's kind of where I post when I'm going to be live streaming next or if there's any you know segments I want to do on the show. That's the best way to kind of know what's going on. If you want to just know, not necessarily updates, but just kind of my general thoughts, uh, head over to my Twitter page. Uh, search for at GamesAreFunPod. I tweet out lots of different video game stuff. That's a, a platform that you should follow me on and then of course most importantly go over to my instagram page at games are fun podcast that's where i post pictures of my video game collection and that's probably my pride and joy of all my social media accounts it's the one i'm probably most active on so i would recommend going over there i also have the best interaction with a lot of you already over on instagram so i'd like to keep that up so please go over to facebook twitter instagram and like all of those pages. Also, if you enjoy the show, I would really appreciate it if you could like this, subscribe to the show, or even share this episode with somebody who you might think would find this interesting. Now, let's get into today's topic. So we got 10 canceled video games, and all of them are very different. Some of these you games have probably have heard of, and then I guarantee there's probably some of you out there that have not heard of some of these games. So we're going to start with number 10, and number 10 is LMNO, um, which is a game that was developed by Arcane Studios, published by EA, and the coolest part about LMNO, LMNO 
is that there was a partnership with Steven Spielberg to help create these video games. And now, I say these video games because it wasn't just LMNO, there was actually a deal, a partnership between EA to develop three video games um, kind of in the mid-2000s. And so the one game that actually saw the light of day was Boom Blocks, which was a game from the Nintendo Wii. It was published by EA. And that was a game that was more directed for, you know, family play. It was on the Wii. And, uh, yeah, it was a game that was basically, I believe Spielberg wanted to create something that he could play with his family and his kids. And so that's kind of what where Boom Blocks came from. Now, Element... Oh man, I'm going to probably butcher this so many times. LMNO was just a working title for another game that was on the rise. And basically, uh, the game was described as, and this is quoted, a mix of first-person parkour movement with adventure and role-playing elements and escape-focused gameplay, all involving the player's relationship with an alien-looking character named Eve. Um, so again, there's not a lot to talk about this game because there's not a lot known about it, but the reason why it's on my list is because this would have been a, a very monumental point in video games. Of course, we've had different movie directors transition into making video games or at least um, helping develop video games from a visionary standpoint or a writing standpoint. Um, but th this would have been cool because obviously Steven Spielberg is a very big name. So to have a name like that attached to a video game, that would have been a big deal. So it's unfortunate that we never got to actually see this game. There is some concept footage over on YouTube. If you just search for LMNO and Steven Spielberg video game, I'm sure you'll be able to find the video. It's basically, uh, you play as I'm assuming a man. Uh, it's in the first-person perspective, and you're sitting at this diner with Eve, who's the, the alien-looking character. And basically, the the military's at... You, I, I'm assuming you... Uh, Eve has escaped from some sort of military base and is on the run from the military and from the government, and you're kind of helping protect her. So, anyways... Not a lot to talk about in this game, but I did want to uh, to point out because, yeah, when I found out about this, this was very cool. Like I mentioned, having a big name like Steven Spielberg working on a video game like that is quite cool. Um, yeah, Boom Blocks was a thing, but this was a game that I think would have had a wider audience and definitely would have been talked about for years to come. Uh, it was going to be published by EA, as I mentioned, and it was actually developed by Arcane Studios, who is responsible for the Dishonored series, as well as the new Prey video game that came out in 2017. So that's number 10, LMNO. Number nine is Rainbow Six Patriots. So Rainbow Six Patriots was a game that was announced in 2011. It was actually announced on the cover of uh, an issue of Game Informer. Of course, uh, there, if you're no stranger to Ubisoft games as well as Tom Clancy games, the Rainbow Six is a very prominent game from the Tom Clancy series. And this was kind of the next game that was going to, I think, bridge the gap between the current gen at the time, which would have been Xbox 360, 
and PlayStation 3 to the new generation, which would have been PS4, what we're in now, PS4 and Xbox One. And so, yeah, basically Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Patriots ended up getting canceled in 2014. Uh, and that's where they started working on, of course, Rainbow Six Siege. That's a completely different game than what this, but I'm sure there are so many elements from Rainbow Six Patriots that we, you know, were, were moved into the development of Rainbow Six Siege. So going over to wikipedia.com or .org, I should say, uh, there's just a brief synopsis of the plot. So Team Rainbow is called to New York City to deal with a terrorist group calling itself the True Patriots, styling themselves as a populist militia group the true patriots have taken it upon themselves to act as judge jury and executioner on behalf and avenging the alleged victims of what they see as wall street corruption to complicate the situation the new leader of team rainbow is james wolf a former navy seal who believes ethics are irrelevant in dealing with the true patriots as echo leader a man who looks up wolf as a father figure they must stop the true patriots at all costs even at the price of their own personal morality so yeah it was just by reading that you can tell that that obviously was not moved over into rainbow six uh, siege siege is obviously a more multiplayer focused game with you know the option of doing some wave-based missions through single player but this would have been a really cool game i think um you know we're talking about wall street corruption having a militia group inside the united states and then having a task force like rainbow six having to deal with them I, I think that would have been cool right if we look back at the other rainbow six games like vegas this this i think would have continued a lot of those things that we liked about those previous rainbow six games so you know having been a fan of those previous rainbow six games this definitely intrigued me i was quite excited for it but when it was canceled i figured you know it wasn't going to be a case of, okay, no one knows when we're actually going to see the next Rainbow Six game. I figured that, you know, going into that new generation that we would see a new Rainbow Six game eventually, which we did, thankfully. So the reason how, so Rainbow Six Patriots didn't get off to a great start because it was kind of prematurely announced. They wanted to announce the game early on because they were worried that the game may leak. Some of the gameplay footage that they had already developed was going to leak. So they decided to announce the game in 2011. And uh, during that trailer, it was stressed that it was just uh, a pre-rendered concept created in 2010. And... It was a level in the final game might appear what it showed up what a level could look like in the final game so it's it's kind of interesting there's a lot of developers that kind of fall into this trap if we look at the games that are in this episode about canceled video games there are so many that i think fall into that same kind of category of just being announced too soon with you know not enough to show and you know, you have the pressure of the media and the, the player base looking for a new update on that game and not being able to get it because, you know, they're not far enough along in the development process. And, and then it just makes things difficult, right? And so, yeah, Rainbow Six Patriots is not setting them, themselves up for that. You look at other Ubisoft games, we even had Watch Dogs, that how long did it take from the initial 
showing to actually see that game be released. And not only that, what we actually saw was not what we were shown in the initial, you know, trailers and announcements. So, yeah, if you if you're going to see a common theme here with some of the games that I'm talking about and there's so many games that I could mention that kind of follow this trend. You know, even if we look at something like Death Stranding, which was announced so long ago and all we've seen is four four five short trailers uh, and only one really shows gameplay and uh, I put gameplay in air quotations because uh, it was, it's basically just showing Norman Reedus walking around this planet um, carrying parcels. <laughs> so it's it's interesting, but I think it also, the public can have a different reaction to these kinds of things because if it's something like Death Stranding by Hideo Kojima, someone who is very well known in the industry and praised for their work, you know, we have a lot more trust in him that we're the final product is going to be something that we're going to enjoy or that it's going to be something really crazy like some of his other games. Um, but if you have someone with a track record or you're coming in with a brand new IP like Watch Dogs that, you know, the audience isn't already on board with or has any attachment to the person creating it or what the game's about, it's a, it's it's much more difficult. You're going to have a lot more pressure from the audience in making sure that the product is of high quality. So anyways, uh, the creative director David Sears and narrative director Richard Rouse III, lead designer Phil, Phil, Felipe, Philip uh, Terrian and animation director Brent George were all removed from the development team. So you're having some pretty big directors and leads being removed from the game which is obviously going to halt development process and yeah eventually we just start hearing less and less about the game and then in 2014 it was announced that Patriots was cancelled and that they were starting development on a different Tom Clancy Rainbow Six game which I mentioned was Siege and that we saw a release on 2015. So it wasn't like there was a huge gap. It wasn't like we waited years to finally see that new project. Um, so yeah, th this is why this game is higher up on my list is because, you know, it would have been cool. It looks sweet, but, you know, we did end up getting a Rainbow Six game anyways. And so I'm not all that upset about it. Number eight is a game called Human Element. So this game was actually out of all the games on my list probably the one I know the least about just based on the fact that while I was doing research at looking up different games that were cancelled to kind of refresh my memory some of these I remember being so upset when they did get cancelled um, some, some of them I had totally forgotten about and this was one of them so Human Element was actually an online multiplayer video game and it was developed by a studio called Robo. Rotaki, I want to say is the name of it. And that studio was formed by Robert Bowling, and he was a member from Infinity Ward. And right after they released Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, he left Infinity Ward to create his own studio. And, you know, this was the first project to that human element. And so, you know, having somebody who is very familiar in a first person shooter 
video game like Call of Duty, like a big video game like Call of Duty, this game looked really quite cool. If you go over onto YouTube, this is another game that you can watch kind of like an initial trailer, teaser trailer. It's, it's, it's not really gameplay because it's pre-rendered, but you can kind of see what the game was kind of going to look like. Um, the premise of the game centers on the question, what is the greatest threat in a zombie apocalypse. Sorry, I just want to clarify real quick, as I mentioned earlier, some of this is coming from Wikipedia, which I know isn't necessarily the most reliable source, but it is the source that has, it's hard to find information on some of these games because, you know, they were canceled or not a lot of the, the assets or footage or that kind of stuff of the game actually got released to the public and so you're just having all these people kind of fill in the blanks for some of these things so that's why I'm kind of relying on Wikipedia to to highlight certain parts of the game so it focused more on survivors rather than uh, zombies and it takes 35 years after a zombie apocalypse began so it's not like it was the day of the zombie apocalypse breakout it has been around for like 35 years and stealing i'm sure a lot of the survivors that already adapt to doing things a certain way so that was really cool um so the game was announced in june of 2012 and details released in were in july uh the july edition of game informer um but unfortunately Robotaki was shut down in 2015 due to lack of a publishing deal of the premium premium version of the game and the inability of the founder of the company to self-fund the development of the game. So the game is currently on hiatus. So it's basically canceled for the most part, but let's say 10 years down the road, if, you know, there seems to be some interest in this game again, and maybe there's a crowdfunding approach, maybe this is a title that could come back, but... Nonetheless, Human Element, go look up it on YouTube. It looks like another, it's kind of interesting because at the time this was announced, you know, we didn't have as many, it was 2012, right? So we're looking at like a year out from the release of PS4 and Xbox One. And so there wasn't as many of those post-apocalyptic video games out there. Of course, we had games like Fallout. We had Rage, even another Bethesda game. And so... It just would have been cool to have another game in, I think that was a really popular concept at the time, you know, Walking Dead was on the rise, and so it would have been sweet to see another video game focusing on that topic. Number seven is Fable Legends, which was going to be a Xbox exclusive, of course, and uh, Fable series was from Lionhead Studios. So Lionhead Studios, uh, is responsible for creating the awesome franchise that is known as Fable. We have Fable 1, 2, 3, and, you know, order them how you will. I was a big fan of Fable 2. It was a really good game. Um, probably my favorite in the Fable series, but Fable was a franchise and an IP that really did good things for Xbox. It was an Xbox exclusive because Linehead Studios was owned by Microsoft, and... It was something that people could look forward to. And so when Fable Legends was announced uh, to come out for Xbox One, that was kind of a game that people were looking forward to because as I've talked about and as you most of you know, the Xbox is a console with not a lot of first-party support, not a lot of Xbox exclusives on the Xbox One. And so Fable Legends was supposed to be one of those games, but unfortunately 
it didn't happen. So why was that? Well, let's first, before we even talk about why it got canceled, let's kind of talk about what it was. So it was focused around four heroes and a villain. Um, each role may be filled by a player via online multiplayer or by an AI. The same game experience was possible regardless of multiplayer or single player with four AI. All of the game stories and quests could have been played single player using AI heroes as sidekicks or enemies. It was possible to play through the game's content as either a hero or a villain. So obviously continuing the fable concept of choosing to be good or being evil, you know, continuing that trend. Um, but this was cool because it had that online multiplayer element to it. The fact that I could play with my friends kind of in this game, having, you know, them, but also having the option of having AI. That's the thing is whenever a single player game transitions into having a multiplayer feature, that's great because I like how games can kind of change up the the foundation of what it's kind of known for, but still... But it's important that they keep that fan foundation and, and that way of playing that a lot of people are used to and a lot of people like, right? If all of a sudden, you know, let's look at a single player game like God of War, all of a sudden had this multiplayer element on it, there's going to be people that are just definitely not going to like that. They're single player game gamers and they're not going to want to have a multiplayer element to it. And so you're already going to piss off people. That That's a given. But if you, the best way of doing it, in my opinion, is having a single player game, adding a multiplayer function to it so that you can explore a new way of playing the game and having your friends with you to play that game, but also keep that single player experience available to the person. Let them play with AI um, so that they aren't forced to play the game in multiplayer if that's not their thing. I think that's the best way of doing it. So the fact that Fable had really outlined that um, was good, I think. And so here's a little bit more information on the heroes, the hero rotation and villain. So I'm just gonna read this off here. Each hero in Fable Legends was to be a unique character with unique abilities, powers, and gameplay. Several playable heroes were identified as Sterling, a Prince Charming type of character who flourishes uh, um, and wisecracks, Winter who is focused on will-based abilities and ice attacks, Rook, focusing on ranged combat with a crossbow, and Inga, a paladin-like character wearing heavy armor and wielding a sword and shield. Players can customize any hero ranging from color and aces to outfits. Customizations would have been unlocked either with earned in-game silver or by purchasing in real life money, so aka tran microtransactions. Some cosmetic items may have only been purchasable. Very interesting. Um... Hero rotation, a limited amount of heroes would have been available for free at a given time, after which a new set of heroes would take their place for everybody to play for a period of time. Heroes could have also been purchased for permanent access by earned in-game currency or by real-life currency. Now let's talk about the villains. The villain player controls the nature of the quest the hero characters embark on, such as where enemies spawn, how aggressively they are, when the boss will come lumbering out of its lair, when to bring down an impassable Port, oh geez, portcullis, or lay a trap to separate heroes from each other to um, thwart them. The villain has a certain amount of creature points which he uses during a setup phase to plan his strategy. Each creature costs a certain number of points to summon during setup, blah, 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 blah. So very interesting stuff. I want to go into too much detail, but as you can see, there's a lot more detail for Fable Legends on 
what the gameplay was actually going to focus on. Um, so, you know, having that concept more structured as compared to number 10 on my list, LMNO, you know, this is a game that was further along the development cycle and was actually, you know, there was a bigger chance that it was going to see the light of day because there was already so much added to it, right? So the game began development in 2012 and uh, in 2013 we got a cinematic trailer. The first gameplay footage was shown on uh, June 2014 and there was a limited closed multiplayer beta that began in October 2014. It was uh, intended to have a five to ten year life cycle, so a kind of like a games with service, not a game that you play and then a couple years later they come out with a sequel because it has that online focus and they're constantly updating with different heroes and villains and that kind of stuff. It was supposed to be a game that was a games with service and actually continued to be played year after year. In 2015, they announced that Fable Legends would also be released on Windows 10, exclusive to the Windows 10 store. Microsoft Windows and, uh, whoops, sorry. Uh, February 2015, Line had confirmed that the game would use a free-to-play model. So the free-to-play model is obviously look at games like Fortnite. Um, you have the game free to play and download, but a lot of the customization and additions to the game will cost you money and so they make their money through those micro transactions so this is where it unfortunately gets a little sad march 2016 microsoft announced the cancellation of the game and the closure of lionhead studios so with the closure of lionhead studios obviously you're going to be taking away the development from the Fable series, but you're also kind of removing that history of Fable games before and all the games before it. Lionhead Studios was founded in 1997, so it's an older studio, but it was acquired in 2006 by Microsoft. So there's quite a few years before, like 10 years, they owned Lionhead Studios and had control over it and the fact that they you know canceled and closed not only canceled that game but actually closed that studio responsible for making such great games in the past was really upsetting um especially for me being such a huge fan of fable games it, it, it sucks so here's a little more details on the closure uh in march 2016 microsoft announced the cancellation of fable legends and proposed closure online head studios the closure came as a shock to some staff who had suspected microsoft were concerned but did not think Lionhead would be shut down it was thought that the worst case scenario would be that fable legends assets would be used for fable 4. some staff put the closure down to a string of bad decisions and mismanagement the game was supposed to be released in summer 2015 after the release of Windows 10, and some said Lionhead had failed to meet their own targets. To comply the UK employment law, there was a consultation period and the Fable Legends servers were not shut down until mid-April so that customers could get refunds. There was a small live operations team that conducted this process, but for others work was optional. 
An attempt to save the project was made under the name Project Phoenix. This would have been involved developing it with a new studio under license from Microsoft, who supported the idea, but it failed due to lack of time and the fact that many Lionhead employees had found new jobs. In April 2016, Lionhead closed down. One Lionhead developer, Charlton Edwards, the one, the only one remaining who had worked on Black and White, said there was a giveaway and he received some sort of trophies. Both current and former Lionhead developers gave the studio a send-off at a pub. On July 26, Webley and Carr founded Two Point Studios, a studio that some Lionhead developers are working at. So, yeah, really unfortunate stuff, but with Fable being such a big series for Xbox, you know, going all the way back to the original Xbox, this is not the end of Fable. I think we are going to get a Fable game. There was a lot of rumors around E3 time and then um, at the XO18 event, there was rumors of a Fable game going to be announced and that it was actually being developed by Playground Games, the studio responsible surprisingly for Horizon, uh, Forza Horizon racing games. And so it'll be interesting to see if we don't see it on, I think it's basically all but confirmed for the most part. If you look at the the media and stuff and the reports coming out for this upcoming Fable game, it's pretty solid evidence, but it just hasn't been officially announced by anything um, and nothing's been leaked on it. So yeah, I think just time will tell when we finally get that announcement for uh, Fable 4 or whatever. I think they're gonna probably rebrand it, but nonetheless, it was unfortunate that Fable Legends didn't get to see the light of day. I was actually looking forward to it, like I said, being a fan of Fable, and then that new twist of having a multiplayer element to it would have been really cool to see, but we'll never know. <laughs> Moving on to number six, Gotham by Gaslight. So obviously by the title, you can assume that this was supposed to be a Batman game. Um, Gotham by Gaslight is actually a, uh, I believe, a DC Universe movie. They did an animated um, movie, and it's basically set in, like, the Victorian era. So it's kind of cool to see a Batman that's kind of like in a steampunk era, I guess. That's kind of a cool, cool concept, at least. So Gotham by Gaslight, there's actually some prototype footage that if you look on, you know, type in Gotham by Gaslight, prototype footage over on YouTube, you actually be able to find it. Um, so going over onto Twinfinite.net, Tom Pert uh, kind of has an article titled, This is Gotham by Gaslight, one of the best Batman games we'll never play. So I wanted to read his article because he does a really good job summing up all the details around this game. So Batman Arkham Knight is released today. So this obviously is an older article from 2015. And Batman fans everywhere are donning their capes and fastening their utility belts in preparation for one last adventure. Rocksteady's Arkham games have been arguably the best superhero games ever made and Batman fans have greatly enjoyed seeing the Cape Crusader be so successful in the medium of video games. It may seem hard to imagine now, but before the Arkham games, the best Batman game you could get your hands on was probably the Lego Batman video game. 
Don't get me wrong, the Lego games are a lot of fun, but people who like Batman for the, his dark grittiness won't find much of that in a Lego game. However, it seems that sometime in the 2000s, a development studio called Day One Studios, now known as Wargaming Chicago Baltimore, were indeed working on a Batman game that certainly looks like it could have had the potential to be a Batman game as great as the Arkham series. Called Gotham by Gaslight, the game was based on the 1989 Batman comic of the same name, which tells the story of what Batman would be like would be like were he to be guarding Gotham in 1889 rather than the present day. Unfortunately, the game was cancelled before it got the green light from the now out-of-business THQ who didn't get the rights from Warner Brothers because they either were unable to do so or didn't think the game was worthwhile. The world would never have known about this game were it not for a few concept art images posted online by an artist named Julie Farrell to her blog, which has since been deleted. The images give us a great look at what direction the art artistic look of the game would have taken and certainly gives us a great gothic vibe which would suit Batman perfectly. Before her blog closed, Farrell wrote the project, this was a game I was really looking forward to working on. Unfortunately, it was just a pitch. I had a blast creating the menus for this game as steampunk is really quite unique, interesting, and something I love to design. I created the bat logo from scratch and used a variety of different clockwork pieces and other metal pieces to construct it. As you can see from the last image, uh, obviously you guys can't see that, but um, Gotham by Gaslight would feature a dedicated slow motion button which would perhaps have allowed players to slow down action in order to get the advantage over a group of enemies in a fight. It seems the game would also feature many of Batman's gadgets as there is a cycle weapon button and a throw grenade command. It's also interesting to note that Batman has an option to turn on a flashlight. Most people in the late 1800s would still have been using oil lamps, but electricity was beginning to make an appearance at this point. Though more as a marvel of the future rather than in the way we use it today. It would be interesting to see a game where a rich man like Bruce Wayne is able to get his hands on cutting edge electrical gadgets like flashlights to get the advantage over his enemies. Even more interestingly is a video of the game running on a very early demo version. So this is what I had mentioned earlier about that uh, project footage, prototype footage that you can kind of look up over on YouTube. This was no doubt created as a pitch and is designed to give people a taste of what the game could eventually become. We've got to say, though, those cape physics are seriously impressive. Um, and then it just kind of goes on more detail about its uh, association to the comic that's based on the same name. And yeah, like I said, we ended up getting a movie based on that comic as well. So although we didn't get a video game, we did get to see more of that world in a visual form. So it, yeah, it's really cool. Batman's one of my favorite superheroes. I love the Arkham games. Um, it would have been cool to see this Batman game just based on the era that it was set in. It's very cool. It's very unique, very original in my opinion. And I really, really hope that one day we do get to see Batman in this era. It would be fantastic. I would easily buy it. I think it would do really well. Steampunk is a style that a lot of people enjoy, a lot of cosplayers enjoy. So I think this would actually have a really good following in today's day. Now, moving on. This one's going to be quick because, again, there's not a lot about it um, that I could find. And again, it's probably one of those games that you're going to have to go and look up a trailer, the teaser trailer over on YouTube to kind of get more of an idea. So there was a game called Insane. So this game was 
going to be directed um it was a kind of in collaboration from film director guillermo del toro little teaser for what's to come this isn't the first time we're going to be talking about del toro being attached to a video game project um so insane was a survival horror game and it was uh in development by volition and published by thq and it was going to be released on last gen so xbox 360 and playstation 3. so insane was first announced at the spike video game awards in 2010 um, by del toro in the form of a 30 second teaser trailer so like i said you can go over and watch that for yourself Del Toro said of the game, with this new series of video games, I want to take players to a place they have never seen before, where every single action makes them question their own senses of morality and reality. THQ and Volition are equally excited to make this vision of a completely new game universe into a reality. And then a comic book artist, Guy Davis, was one of the designers of the game, and he had previously worked with Del Toro on designs for At the Mountains of Madness. It was cancelled in 2012 with the intellectual property rights transferring to del toro so he has the ip for the insane idea and so it's not impossible if down the road he wanted to team up again to make this project a reality right the reason why th this game is higher up on my list is number five it, you know the games before it like gotham bat uh definitely fable legends or even rainbow six patriots or gotham by gaslight those games actually had more known about them than this game because this was more of an idea we didn't get to actually see what this game looked like but the reason why it was so exciting to me is because we have guillermo del toro who is just an awesome film director makes such great stories and has such a great strong imagination having him tied to a video game um, that he kind of conceptualized and created would have been fantastic i just thought i was talking at the start of the show about lmno and having a, a big director like steven spielberg associated to a video game i think this would have done the same thing me being a fan of guillermo del toro that's why it's higher up on my list is because it just would have been really cool to see now i'm not going to talk about too much about this because like i said there's a little bit of a teaser for what's to come i'm sure you all know what game i'm talking about or referring to but there was another game that he was involved in that uh, he even had me more excited so we'll save that for that and then moving on to number four is donkey kong racing yes there was a game called donkey kong racing which was going to be a sequel to of course, Diddy Kong Racing from the Nintendo 64. So Donkey Kong Racing was a cancelled video game that was actually going to be for the Nintendo GameCube, and it would have been a, kind of a follow-up to the Diddy Kong Racing series. Uh, it was first announced at E3 2001 with a pre-rendered trailer showing the game's concept. However, the trailer and the press release, which stated that the game was set for release in 2002, made in anticipation for Space World 2001, ended up being the only media shown to the public. And then sometime in 2002, Rare decided to only present Star Fox Adventures at E3 2002. This decision was most likely in response to a private agreement with Microsoft, who would later purchase them in 2002. So unfortunately, the reason why we didn't get to see Donkey Kong Racing see the light of day is because of Microsoft acquiring Rare. They had the deal, and that's when Microsoft purchased, and with Donkey Kong being a Nintendo 
asset. Obviously, that game was canceled. Could it have been developed by another studio? Yes, uh, they could have basically, Nintendo could have taken um, what they owned, depending on how many, how much rights they had to the assets that were Rare was working on, they could have taken those and, you know, fueled development um, from another studio, but unfortunately they didn't. Now, this would have been really cool because I was a huge fan of Diddy Kong Racing. I loved kind of like the story element of it, this kind of like overworld where you could go into different sections of the world to, to compete in the different kart races. And so Donkey Kong Racing Series would have been cool because we would have had, you know, more of those characters in the racing game. Um, it would have been GameCube that next generation. If we look at the other kart racer, we had Mario Kart Double Dash, which is definitely one of the best uh, Mario Kart games, but it would have been cool to see what kind of things they could have put in on the GameCube for that. So um, yeah, unfortunately we never got to see it, uh, but we did get to see a Donkey Kong themed racing game called Donkey Kong Barrel Blast, and that came out on the Wii in 2007. So how much of this was from the ideas of Donkey Kong racing, who knows, but it is quite interesting. Um, this game, to be honest with you, I didn't really hear to know too much about Donkey Kong Barrel Blast prior to, you know, doing this research on, no, I had heard about Donkey Kong racing, um, but I actually didn't even really know that Donkey Kong Barrel Blast was a thing until, like I said, I started doing more research into uh, the cancelled game. And so, yeah, who knows? Maybe Donkey Kong Racing could have been better than Barrel Blast, but it's, it's kind of it, fun to think about what a Donkey Kong Racing game would have been like on the GameCube era and if it was more attached to what we saw in Diddy Kong Racing. Number three is a game that is more recent on this list. It was a game that actually looked like it was going to happen, but unfortunately it didn't. And that is Scalebound scale scale by Platinum Games. This was going to be an Xbox One exclusive, and it looked awesome because uh, you had dragons in it. <laughs> so basically, Scalebound... I'm going to say that many times. Scalebound was a action role-playing video game developed by Platinum Games. And it was developed from 2013 until its cancellation in 2017. And it was actually scheduled to release in 2017. But they ended up canceling it um, in early 2017. So the game you were going to play as this character named Drew, who is accompanied by a dragon... And you would use, you know, a different variety of weapons to defeat enemies, very, very broad, um, and could issue commands to the dragon, which was the cool aspect of it, right? Having that dragon companion, being able to tell them what to do, which was really cool. Um, the game kind of looked similar to, in my eyes, of like looking at Monster Hunter, right? You have these big dragons, and so that's kind of what, when I, I watched it, that's kind of what I thought about looking at it but uh, it was from a third person perspective um, the players are accompanied by a dragon as mentioned and 
Let's talk about the development. So the concept of the game was created um, in 2006, but the studio decided to move to develop Bayonetta instead of making Scalebound. The studio attempts to repitch the game after the completion of Bayonetta and a prototype was made, but it failed to generate any interest, and the studio moved on to develop The Wonderful 101. When the development of The Wonderful 101 was almost finished, the idea for Scalebound was revised, and the game's development officially began in 2013. Uh, the director considered the game a new experience for the studio as it worked as it was something that they have never worked on before, the studio hoped that they could create a game whose gameplay would have been unlike any other game previously developed by Platinum. Um, Scalebound was going to be the first action role-playing game developed by Platinum, and the director described the game as a dream come true for him as he had always wanted to create a game where dragons are the player's companion as opposed to being enemies. Which is why I found the game so cool, right? How many games or how many movies do you see, you know, the knight fighting the dragon, but having a dragon as a companion would have been cool, like being able to ride it and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, we actually saw this game being played on one of the E3 stages. It was so far along in the development process, like it was supposed to come out the year that ended up getting cancelled. So it was really unfortunate for this game. And that's why it's so high up on my list is because you know this was a game that I was like planning on buying and everything uh, based on what I had seen of it. And it's, yeah, it just got cancelled. And that was a big blow for Microsoft because like I've already mentioned in this episode, Microsoft does not have the first party exclusive and this was going to be a first party exclusive. So it's it's tough for them that they unfortunately didn't get to release this. So um, yeah, the game missed E3 2015. Sorry, it was announced at the E3 2014. It missed 2015, but gameplay was shown at GamesCon 2015 alongside Crackdown 3 and Quantum Break. The game's four-player co cooperative multiplayer mode was also announced. Scalebound was set to be released worldwide for the Xbox One in 2016, but was later delayed to 2017. And then, like I mentioned, January 2017 is when it was cancelled. So why was it cancelled? Well, it's probably just believed that, you know, given the fact that it was delayed a whole year, development on the game was not going as planned and they just ran into too many issues and eventually there comes a point where okay do we cut our losses and just scrap this whole thing or do we keep pushing and keep investing in more money to develop in this game when it's actually not going to have a big return for us all right that's when the publisher like microsoft comes in and decides whether or not they're going to continue with this uh game or not right so it's unfortunate. I, I who knows if this game will ever see the. It's it's because there's so many assets from it that were already developed. It is possible that you know we could actually see this game make a reappearance further down the line. I think it's actually the most likely out of all the games on this list. But we'll never know, right? Um, yeah really unfortunate. Number two is Star Wars 1313. So if you know me, I'm a big Star Wars fan. So obviously a promising Star Wars game is going to be high up on my list. So Star Wars 1313 is a canceled action adventure game that was under development by LucasArts. The game would take a more mature gritty direction compared to the past Star Wars games 
and like 2002's Star Wars Bounty Hunter, it would emphasize fast-paced gadget and weapon-based combat using tools exclusive to bounty hunters rather than force and lightsaber-based combat. So it was great because it focused on the bounty hunters in the Star Wars universe, and what I was so attracted to this idea that it was a game that focused on a gritty and a dark tone. I love having, you know, even like when we look at superhero movies or even the Star Wars movies, that when they take that more darker tone, even if that's not what Star Wars is about or what that superhero movie is about, I really like that. I love it because it makes it more dramatic. It makes it, I, I just become more attached to it. So yeah, uh, it was supposed to come out for Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. So in 2013, it was announced that Walt Disney Company has seized internal development of all LucasArts projects, including Star Wars 1313. A LucasArts representative indicated that the game may have been revived through a licensing deal with an outside studio, but until then, Star Wars 1313 remains on hold. Um, It was supposed to revolve around Boba Fett in his early adulthood, navigating past the scum of civilization in an underground area of... uh, known as level 1313. So while being developed in-house by LucasArts, Star Wars 1313 was undergoing an integrated development approach that involved industrial light and magic, Lucasfilm animation, and Skywalker sound. The game's title was trademarked in 2012, and the game was announced later that month by LucasArts. Um, Sorry, May 2012. The game was officially revealed at E3 2012 the following month. Spike TV broadcast a sneak peek on June 4th that showed exclusive gameplay footage. It was being developed on top of the Unreal Engine 3 as shown in the latest developer diary called Descent to the Underworld. The diary video shows the game running in 64-bit mode with the direct 3D11 rendering path. 2013, it was reported that the game had been on hold ever since Walt Disney Company purchase of Lucasfilm. However, a LucasArts representative reported that Star Wars 1313 was continuing production. In April 2013, it was announced that Walt Disney Company had seized internal development at LucasArts and laid off its staff, except a skeleton crew of less than 10 employees, which would allow LucasArts to remain open as a licensor. As a result, all projects were shut down, including Star Wars 1313. So... It sucks because we had this game going and we had the corporation that is known as the Walt Disney Company come in and close that studio. It's kind of the same thing uh, if we look at like Fable Legends uh, of when a studio is closed, everything that they're working on is now going to die with it, unfortunately, because, you know, whoever owns that studio or whatever or whoever made the decision to close that studio probably owns the assets and the IP for everything that they're working on. And so when that happens, it's really hard because then you have to strike up a licensing deal with another studio to continue that development, right? More recently, this is seen with uh, Telltale Games with the Walking Dead series, right? They can't, what Telltale closed its doors, laid off all its employees, you know, in the middle of season four of the Walking Dead video game, the final season. And then Skybound, who is trying to get into the video game market, obviously the the ones who publish the comic books of the Walking Dead series, had taken employees from Telltale, some of those same assets, they, they struck a licensing deal to continue and finish off that season of the Walking Dead. So 
Sometimes it works out, like Telltale's case, and sometimes, like Star Wars 1313, it doesn't work out. But of course, EA ended up getting the licensing rights to develop Star Wars games for X amount of years. We got Star Wars Battlefront, we got Star Wars Battlefront 2, and then of course we have that new Star Wars game that is from Respawn Entertainment that's supposed to come out this year. So, yeah, it's, you know... There, there are. This isn't the only Star Wars game that's ever been canceled. There was one uh, more recently. Blanking on the name of the studio, I think it was the studio behind the Dead Space series. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they were working on a more story story based focused single player Star Wars game that looked really really cool. But again, they closed that studio, and then that game, of course, got canceled as well. So. It's kind of a, a trend that sucks, but it's something that happens in the video game industry quite often. Okay, moving on to number one, unsurprisingly, is Silent Hills. So Silent Hill obviously being a game from Konami. This game was actually going to be uh, developed by Kojima Productions for the PlayStation 4, and published by Konami. So director Hideo Kojima, alongside Guillermo del Toro, was going to be developing this Silent Hill game called Silent Hills, and it was going to be the ninth video game in the series. And it was going to be exclusive to the PS4. It was going to be in the Fox engine, which, of course, Metal Gear Solid V is in, and it was going to be the first game under Kojima Productions. So Kojima was brought onto the project in September 2012 by Konami. The game was announced in August 2014 via PT, which was in short for Playable Teaser. So this was a really critically acclaimed demo that was released as a free download from the PlayStation Store. It just kind of popped up on the PlayStation Store as PT and no one really knew what it was. But its connection to Silent Hills was revealed at the end of the demo. Uh, basically, you see... Um, It, it, it was the it showed the involvement of Del Toro along with Norman Reedus. Um, it kind of shows Norman Reedus walking, and it is voiced by him. And not only it looks exactly like Norman Reedus, and so that's kind of shown at the end of the demo. So, a Silent Hill game starring Norman Reedus would have been wicked. Also having you know direction from Del Toro, like and Kojima, like it would have been so freaking good. The game's development was questioned due to rumors surrounding Kojima's work with the completion of Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain, and his eventual exit from Konami. In April 2015, reports surfaced from Del Toro that Silent Hills had been cancelled, with Konami officially confirming the cancellation shortly after, a move which was negatively received by critics and fans of the franchise. Kojima, Del Toro, and Reedus eventually teamed up for the upcoming Death Stranding. So before I talk about that, let's continue talking about the development of the game. So in September 2012, Konami's president asked Hideo Kojima to direct the next Silent Hill installment. He accepted to offer with enthusiasm, and development began shortly thereafter using Kojima Productions' Fox engine. When asked about the project, Kojima stated, In the past, I'd mentioned Silent Hill in interviews, and as a result of that, President of Konami rung me up and said he'd like me to make the next Silent Hill. Honestly, I'm kind of the scaredy cat when it comes to horror movies, so I'm not confident I can do it. At the same time, there's a certain type of horror that only people who are scared of can create, so maybe it's something I can do. That said, I think Silent Hill has a certain atmosphere. I think it has to continue, and I love to help it continue. 
And if I can help by supervising or lending the technology of the Fox engine, then I love to participate in that respect. Um, so the cancellation in March 2015, sources reported that due to conflicts with Konami, Kojima and his senior staff planned to leave Konami following the completion of Metal Gear Solid 5. Concurrently, Konami announced a restructuring of its video game business and removed references to Kojima and Kojima Productions from the promotional materials of the game. A Konami spokesperson initially denied that Kojima was leaving the company and stated that he would be involved with Konami and the Metal Gear franchise. At a San Francisco Film Society event on April 2015, assistant Guillermo del Toro reportedly told attendees that Silent Hills had been cancelled. The next day, Norman Reedus also made statements on Twitter stating that the game had been cancelled. The game, the same day, Konami announced that PT would be pulled from the PlayStation Store on April 29, 2015, and Polygon reported that an anonymous tip by a person familiar with the game's development had also confirmed the game's cancellation. So, all this, people coming out talking about the game being cancelled, but there was no actual confirmation from konami itself so it wasn't until april 27th 2015 konami issued a statement to kotaku confirming that silent hills would not be continued but they plan to continue the silent hill franchise fans upset by the cancellation later started a petition on change.org asking for konami to continue the project as of march 4th 2016 the petition had received over 1 signatures in a tweet from Guillermo del Toro, he revealed that horror manga artist Junji Ito would also have been involved with the project. Cliff Blazinski Bl was also asked to work on the project, but declined later explaining on Twitter, I don't like LA, I love new IP, and I would have uh, effed up Silent Hill. <laughs> During Sony Inter Interactive's E3 2016 press conference, the reformed Kojima Productions unveiled a new game, Death Stranding. So... This is kind of where it's a sad story, but kind of a, a good one. Because if Silent Hills would have happened, it would have been great. As a huge horror fan, I would have loved to see that project come to light. But we also wouldn't have gone what, well, we don't even know what it is yet, but we wouldn't be getting Death Stranding, right? Obviously, Del Toro and Norman Reedus and Hideo Kojima really liked that partnership in creating that video game and so they continued that with this new project that was Death Stranding and so you know maybe there are certain themes or elements that were going to be a part of the Silent Hills game that made its way over into Death Stranding. Will we ever know what what was pulled and, and brought over? No of course not. Maybe none of it was. Maybe there was more of it than we think there was. Who knows? But it's really, really cool. The unfortunate part is this kind of halted a long-going horror franchise that is known as Silent Hills. We're not going to probably see a Silent Hills game for a very long time just based on the fact that if Konami came along and announced a new Silent Hill game, sure, there's going to be people jump on board, but that's just going to resurface all the bad blood that happened uh, there with and how Konami treated Kojima during that period of time. And so... It's very interesting to me. Uh, it's number one on my list because, like I said, I'm a huge horror fan. I love the Silent Hill series. And to take all those bits and pieces of the people involved in the project and then have it as a PlayStation 4 exclusive, it would have been a really fantastic game. But at the end of the day, I'm not super upset because we are getting Death Stranding someday, hopefully, cross your fingers. And 
yeah, it's it's kind of a a it's bittersweet, right? So that's my list. I did want to just do a quick honorable mention before we wrap the show, and that is uh, the game Agent by Rockstar Games. So this was actually announced on an E3 stage. I'm just I'm not going to read anything on this. I'm just going to go off my memory and quickly talk about this game. So Agent was a Rockstar game. It was basically going to be set in the Cold War era. And it was going to be a PS3 exclusive, which was a very big deal. Rockstar Games, obviously, at this point, known for all their their great IPs, such as Grand Theft Auto, Manhunt, the Max Payne games, Bully. And so Agent would have been a really, really cool game to see. It has not actually been officially confirmed cancelled. What had happened was, uh, you know, it kind of went into development hell there was no updates being on it. It eventually got less and less people working on the project to the point where I think altogether they halted production on it. And then there was kind of rumors going around that Agent could still see the light of day because Rockstar was continually updating the copyright on the name Agent. Um, But eventually they let that lapse and now agent was no longer held by rockstar games and was available so that kind of tells you right then and there that it's probably not going to happen and it's canceled but you can't help but to think like we live in an age right now where rockstar games has so far produced one game on this generation and probably the only game that we will see on this generation whereas if we go back to you know, a couple generations ago, even last generation, Rockstar was pumping out different games. We had L.A. Noir, we had Red Dead Redemption, we had Max Payne 3, we had Grand Theft Auto 4, we had Grand Theft Auto 5. Like, we had so many Rockstar games in that generation. But Rockstar Games is a very different studio now that really likes to focus on one thing and making that thing live on through the years through its online services. So... It's interesting how a studio like that can change, but nonetheless, it would have been cool to see what Agent would have looked like. It's a different setting that, you know, Rockstar hasn't done yet. And yeah, who knows, maybe a new idea may come down later the line as a new thing, a new game, new new title for it. It pulls some of those elements. So Anyways, thank you so much, you guys, for listening to today's episode um, on the 10 Cancel Video Games. This was a really fun episode for me. I know I did a lot of reading um, of other people's material, but that's just because I wanted to create a picture and a timeline for you guys on how these games ended up being you know, developed and how they ended up getting canceled. So out of all these games, the one that I think is most likely to make a return is Scalebound. I think Fable is going to eventually happen one day, but as something completely different. And other than that, none of these games I ever see happening. Um, yeah, not not in this this generation or next. Who knows what could happen later down the line, but... Yeah, it's hard to say. So anyways, thank you so much for listening to Games Are Fun. As a reminder, you can catch a new episode every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Daylight Time on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and other podcast services. We will talk to you guys next week with a new episode. No question of the week this week. That's I'm probably going to scrap the question of the week just based on the fact that um, do I have a lot of people writing into it? To those of you that do, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I'm going to have a different segment 
um, that I'm still trying to work on in future episodes to end off uh, the show. So stay tuned for that. Listen to next week's episode. Hopefully it will be included on that episode. But other than that, thank you for listening and I hope you have a great week. We will talk to you guys next Tuesday. See you later.